Welcome. This is Pray for Surf. Phil Miliorati here with uh, my friend Mark Dillon, author of 50 Sides of the Beach Boys. If you've not read that book, you need to get that on your reading list ASAP. Mark, how are you today? I'm good, Phil. How are you doing? Good. Well, thanks for uh, connecting and having another conversation. I've enjoyed the one we had on your book. And then we had actually two conversations on Mike Love's memoir on uh, being a beach boy. Uh, one of those turned into two. That was kind of fun. We got a little action on some of the chat places. Uh, wh- what did you think of that? Did they, uh, their comments, uh, anything that stuck out to you, the few people who were chatting about it? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, for, for some middle of the road fans, uh, Mike's book may have, enlighten them and, and swayed them a bit, uh, you know, if, if there were things they, they didn't understand about, about Mike Love. But I think, you know, Mike's a polarizing figure to some hardcore fans, and I think uh, some of them are not going to change their stance, you know, regardless of uh, of what they read. That's that's how passionate these Beach Boys fans are. Yeah, uh, I, I must admit, I, I, I sense that passion too, uh, certainly in regard to what you said about Mike and his book, but just about the Beach Boys in general. and Maybe that's another phone call, but uh, I wonder if other groups, I mean, there aren't a whole lot of groups that are at the level the Beach Boys are, Beach Boys, Beatles, some would say Stones, maybe a couple other groups, certainly from the 60s that have lasted this long, continue to tour, all that kind of stuff, sold millions of records, but it just seems uh, very passionate, and uh, I mean, oftentimes the word love is used uh, for these guys that people have never met or never spoken to. Uh, do you, you know you know the music world much better than I and much better than most people. But do you do you see that with other the followings of other groups? I think I mean people get so divisive about it because I mean if you compare it to my other favorite band, the Rolling Stones, I mean they've certainly had their contentiousness, you know, among band members over the years. But you know as they have proven lately, I mean they find a way to get together to function together under the Rolling Stones banner. I mean except for Bill Wyman who's who's out of the picture. He's 80 years old now, but. Um, you know, they put out a new album. They can, they can yeah. do it. I mean, they can do their solo things, and they can come together and tour and, and put out a new record, although they haven't done that too often. Uh, but, you know, now we've got Mike Love and Bruce Johnston over here and Brian Wilson and, and Al Jardine over there, you know, and David Marks, Blondie Chaplin in the mix. So, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing divides fans. I mean, you, you're, not, you're not rooting for, for the whole band at one time now. You're, you're, there's different uh, elements. Some people might say that's a good thing because you have more to cheer about, more concerts to see. But, you know, some people would rather uh, see more harmony. Yeah, I t- well, I certainly one for harmony. But we have what we have, and there's albums. Uh, Alan put one out, but certainly Brian's catalog is uh, formidable. Well, that's it. I mean, that's where that's where the story has gone. If you're a Beach Boys fan looking for new music, I mean, the Beach Boys did get together and make an album, which which was very good. But I mean, Brian is really the guy we're looking at over the last, uh, you know, 15 or more years, 30 years, really. Yeah, and you know, you, you you never know what history would have been had he stayed with them, so to speak. Would these albums have come out? Would these songs have come out from him? Uh, it's impossible to, to say. It's fun to speculate, but uh, we have what we have, and um, we'll get into the Brian Wilson book maybe with this question. 
speaking of that, his personal catalog these last 15 or so years, um, how do you think it will stack up to the Beach Boys catalog that he did? I mean, uh, how do you even evaluate them? Do you put them side by side? Um, is his stuff very, very good, but not great like Beach Boys? I mean, the 60s were just was just a, maybe a Camelot time for music as well. Uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm rambling here again, but uh, any any comments on just his catalog and what it says about the kind of music he put out? Well, I, I think uh, Brian Wilson Presents Smile is, you know, both a, a Brian Wilson project and really a Beach Boys project because, you know, the Beach Boys originally helped him record those uh, those tracks that, that he ended up redoing. I mean, and to me, Smile is the ultimate. You know, I know a lot of people prefer Pet Sounds or they might have some other picks, but uh, I, I really believe in that narrative that it was all leading towards Smile and Smile was the ultimate. I was, uh, I can't tell you how happy I was when he, finally put it together in 2004 and I, I think that's, that's his ultimate statement right there. Um, in terms of yeah. some of his other things, n- nothing will compare to that. I mean, that was obviously conceived you know, at his peak, but I think he followed that up very well with uh, that lucky old son. I think that uh, that can stack up with, with, with great Beach Boy records. His first solo album uh, in, in many parts I think can. Uh, some of the other stuff, you know, is, is uh, maybe a notch below, but I mean, I, I think everything he's put out is 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 pretty worthy in, in one way or another. Yeah, I would agree, um, and I, I certainly agree. Everything was heading towards Smile. Uh, living through that, you know, being old enough to have lived, lived through that time, uh, maybe this goes back to the passion of being a Beach Boy fan. I can't tell you how disappointed I was uh, that, you know, obviously the original recording did not come out when it was supposed to. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of news back then, you know, like today we almost get daily tweets and things, but back then you'd, you'd scour for any kind of news as it coming out. Heroes and Villains came out. It wasn't the one, the seven-minute version, even you know, the one I heard on the phone. And it was just an a, a amazing time, and I think it would have uh, um, put them on an equal peak with the Beatles, I think they are anyway. But I mean, in terms of the the, the popular view at the time, instead it was seen as uh, as a failure. But then it, it created this whole decades long thing of the most famous unreleased album of all time. And who knows? Maybe that that kept something alive that they now are you know living out even you know in their 70s now. Um, well, I mean, speaking as a fan you know, maybe a generation younger. I mean, it, 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 I wasn't around, you know, when, when Smile was supposed to come out. I, you know, I basically got into that story through David Leaf's book, and, I mean, it was fascinating to me to read about this unreleased album, and we had little hints of it, uh, you know, being released on other albums. So, like many other Beach Boy fans, back in the days of vinyl and bootlegs and uh, cassettes, yes. you know, I, I would build my own smile mix and, you know, <laughs> you'd send, I sent away for a bootleg from some guy in Virginia and, uh, you know, you just couldn't get enough of this stuff. And, uh, you know, when it all came out, it wasn't disappointing. I mean, there was this huge buildup. There was a buildup of, of nearly, of, you know, 37 years. And when it came out, I, I think it lived up to, uh, to all the hype, which is amazing. Yeah. Oh, it, it truly was. But I think we knew that because uh, I say we, I should just speak for myself. I think I knew that because I also had, you know, some close to the source bootleg stuff. And it was uh, just amazing. The first time I 
received that cassette with the, it was back in the cassette days. So, uh, and a guy had, you know, written in, in his own handwriting, the, the song titles and just hearing those things. Uh, it was, it was amazing. So it, I guess I, I'm coming to the conclusion if it couldn't come out and obviously it didn't, then this is the next best scenario that, uh, uh, you know, greatest unreleased album of all time, and, and then, then uh, Brian himself does put it out. And, and well, it rejuvenated least... his career, you know, at that time. I mean, the album that yeah. he had put out before that, Getting In Over My Head, had a couple of good tracks, but I think that was That's one of about his, it. his weakest yeah, efforts. I agree. And, I, you know, when the news came about Smile, I figured, oh, my God, I don't think he's, I don't think he's up for the challenge. I have to admit, I, I, I greeted the news with cynicism, but I think uh, – you know, he hit it dead on. And, and, and it introduced another generation, a generation, you know, the next generation for me. I remember going to see, uh, you know, a show in Boston in 2006 and sitting next to this young jazz musician. This guy was in his 20s. And, and he said he became a fan because of the, of the Smile album. So, you wow. know, I, I, I think it's been very interesting how great things have been staggered throughout the, the Beach Boys career to, to sort of keep the interest being renewed uh, for a new generation of listeners. Interesting uh, that comment you made about that person you sat next to, a young jazz musician. What it did for me in my mind is, I, typically when I see all their albums, I see them in a you know progression, you know from uh, their first album to the to their last album. Uh, and when you said that, it, they became more like a circle. And because now you can't experience them from first to last, you know, that that time frame is gone. So something has to introduce you to them. But once you're in, it's like, then you discover, you know, if you come in with smile, then you discover some of the surf and hot rod stuff. Or if you come in with the greatest hits, then you're going to discover friends or, you know, whatever. And maybe that's going to give me a different way of looking at how people today will discover and, and consume in a good way. I hope that, you know, their music. There's a lot of different entry points with this band. Yeah. Well, we uh, I, I love talking about this stuff and uh, appreciate you doing that. But we're we're really wanting to talk about Brian's book. This is uh, almost uh, 2017. Last few days of 2016, we're recording this, uh, and we want to talk about his memoir that he wrote with uh, Ben Greenman. I hope I'm saying that last name right. Um, let me just start with the very beginning, the, the front cover. Uh, I am Brian Wilson. Um, how do you take that as a title? Uh, that's I didn't know what it would be called, but that surprised me a little bit. Um, and I well, I think I think the title sort of tells you the approach. I mean, you know, speaking from the perspective of somebody that has interviewed Brian, and and I know that anybody who's interviewed Brian has probably had a similar experience. It's very hard to get yes a lot out of Brian, you know, like I think he likes to get his interviews done in about 11 minutes time and, and not much more than that. And I mean, whereas he certainly can elaborate on a lot of things, I think he chooses not to, um, you know, I don't think interviews are necessarily his favorite thing, but he's gracious enough to do them. So, I mean, to me, what makes this, this book a treat is that, okay, you're getting more than 10 minutes with Brian. You're getting, you know, almost 300 pages with Brian. Uh, you're getting an expanding, on uh, on many thoughts. So I think, you know, we don't know. It's very hard, like, if you go to a Beach Boys concert and you look at Brian, it's very hard to gauge what's going on in his mind. And I think by saying, I am Brian Wilson, you know, it's introducing you to, to his mind. Like, you, you, he was kind of hard to get through before, but now you're going to get uh, get him in depth. Yeah, and obviously any anything uh, 
and in response to even this question, it's all speculation, but that's what we're doing here because we haven't been able to talk to uh, Brian on it, and we did try to get a hold of uh, his collaborator, and uh, they wouldn't unlock his door for us. But um, uh, when I when I hear I am Brian Wilson, I wonder if he's saying a little bit. Uh, I I'm a person. I, I'm a I'm a person before I'm a beach boy, or maybe this is making too much out of it. Don't be afraid to say that, but um, I, I wonder if he's trying to, to say, don't, you, you need to know me beyond just that I'm a, that I am or was a, a, a beach boy or a writer or a singer with the beach boys. Well, that, that's interesting. And I mean, uh, compare that to Mike's book, which is called good vibrations, my life as a beach boy. So obviously he's, uh, he's selling the beach boys route, but I, I think, you know, yeah. this is a route that Brian has been going down ever since he released his first solo album in 1988. That's, that is to establish an identity apart from the Beach Boys. I think in large part he has succeeded. I think, you know, it's very hard to build a brand like the Beach Boys and Brian, you know, starting in his 40s to try and launch a solo career will never surpass the brand that is the Beach Boys. I mean, if you compare, you know, how many people follow the Beach Boys on Facebook, I think it's nearing... Two million, and Brian's last I checked was a you know maybe sixty thousand or something like that, which is still a formidable number. But I mean, there's just something about right. each boy's brand, so it's it's very hard. But I think Brian has succeeded. I mean, I think people know who Brian Wilson is, like people who are not even Beach Boys fans. They, they understand who he is and his role in the Beach Boys. So I think good on Brian to, uh, you know, keep pursuing his individuality, even, even in this book title. So that makes me ask you this, uh, Mark. How would you compare uh, his uh, solo career trajectory compared to, say, Paul McCartney's? Similar experiences, both part of iconic bands and, you know, going solo, different times. A little, yeah, Brian was later than Paul in that. Anyway, any any thoughts on that? Well, uh, I mean, but Paul had great success with Wings. I mean, I, I mean, Wings are not everybody's favorite. I mean, a lot of people would, would, would stick with the Beatles, but, I mean, Wings were hugely popular. So, I mean, Paul yeah, McCartney had, you know, certainly succeeded in a huge way, uh, you know, of having a, a, a very uh, successful solo career. You know, Brian has not has never achieved that kind of success. I mean, compare, look back to 1988, compare his well-reviewed solo album, the Love and Mercy single, which is, you know, a very special one uh, to Brian. Compare that to Kokomo, you know, which some people love, some people hate, but it went to number one, and it was, it was a Beach Boys record. So uh, right. it's been harder for Brian to get out of the... the the shadow he created with uh, with the Beach Boys. I think Paul McCartney uh, it did a lot better uh, commercially uh, that way. Yeah. Back to the uh, even just the title, and, and you were talking about having interviewed him eleven minutes kind of thing. Uh, that w- the to me that was the surprise of this book more than any revelation. And you may have some revelations that I'm not thinking of, but the the surprise was that the 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 uh, I want to use the word voluminous uh, amount of 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 Brian speaking, so to speak. Um, no pun intended with that. I'm wondering, and there's no way of knowing this, but but would love your observations on this. I'm wondering how much is literally uh, words that came out of Brian's mouth. How much uh, y- you know we we don't know as a collaborator. That I mean, uh, I don't think he made stuff up, but how much embellishment is that the right word that uh, his collaborator would use and also and this may get me in trouble with some fans but um 
you know, Melinda is a, a loving wife to Brian, and that's wonderful. And, and she is, I think, uh, certainly one of the heroes in his life, uh, saving him and helping him uh, blossom, etc. But she's also like a manager uh, managing their their uh, collective musical investment, so to speak. So I just wonder um, if she was helping him uh, recount the stories, uh, adding by adding, I don't mean adding new information. I just know that in, in screenplays, when someone's writing a screenplay, they write dialogue of things that, frankly, we don't know if that event existed, but it, 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 it's true to the story. Again, I'm all over the place on this, Mark, but any, any thoughts uh, as someone who's interviewed a lot of authors, written, written stuff yourself, how much of this actually is Brian? Well, I, I, I think I think Ben Greenman uh, should be applauded because I think he did a very artful job. Like it, it feels very authentic. You know, uh, it's an interesting approach. Like, I mean, again, if we look to Mike Love's book, um, which I also enjoyed and found very interesting. I mean, yeah. that one is set up more chronologically. You can feel Jim Hirsch's presence. Like, you know, to me, when I read it, okay, here's a passage that's obviously the result of a writer doing research not very personal to Mike necessarily, but then, you know, then you'll get like passages like, okay, we're talking about this. Now Mike is going to yeah. talk about it from, from his perspective. That's the feeling I get with this one. The Brian Wilson book, it, it feels like, like this total free associative, like here's Brian yes. sitting down and chatting with you and he's jumping from 1964 to the present and in between. Uh, it feels very conversational, which is good because we don't necessarily need another chronological history of the group. So, I, I think Ben Greenman should be applauded for that. I mean, I do get the feeling at times that, you know, he's getting certain stories from other people, like from Brian's friends, and, 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 and he probably interviewed a whole whack of people to get some of these stories, and then they're presented, you know, from, from Brian's perspective. But, I mean, I think it's quite well done, and, I mean, it's unfortunate yes. that they have not, you know, put the author forward so we can get a little peek behind the curtain. I mean, we didn't get a full peek behind the curtain with uh, with Mike's book either. We don't know exactly how it was written. I, I can sort of imagine how it was written. Uh, this one, we, we don't know. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it would have been interesting to hear uh, Ben talk about that, but I think, you know, he did a very good job. In terms of Melinda, you know, the, the one thing that, that struck me is in this book is Brian's relationship to Landy. And I don't think we're ever going to know, you know, what what is deep in Brian's heart about Eugene Landy. I mean, I think to some extent he knows how he should feel about Landy because everyone's telling him, you know, what Landy did. I'm sure he has very mixed feelings about Landy, but one of the most telling stories that I came across when I was writing my book was when Landy died, he showed up at his daughter Carney's house and, you know, said, this was a story told to me by Carney and, and her husband, Rob Bonsiglio. Um, he said, I know a lot of people hated him, but I loved him. And then he wanted to record a song by Doris Day called My Secret Love. <laughs> so in a way, Landy is a secret <laughs> love. Like he, he doesn't yeah. want the world to know, you know, how, exactly how he feels about Landy. And, and in this book, we get how we should feel about Landy, how people outside would feel about Landy. Yeah. How Brian really feels, I'm sure, is extremely complicated, and I don't think we'll ever fully understand. Well, I think, uh, I didn't know you were also a, a psychiatrist. I, I think that's excellent uh, analysis, although, of I, course... I'm sure we, I'm not a psychiatrist. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's what we do as Beach Boys fans. We pretend we are, and, you know, we talk about them more than they talk about it themselves, I'm sure. But uh, uh, interesting 
perspective on that. I, I looked at one of the underlined one of the statements referring to landing. If you help a person to get better by erasing that person, what kind of job have you done? Uh, some of the things he did shaped me. Others scarred me. Sometimes it was hard to tell. So I I hear him being ambivalent. Maybe isn't quite the right word, but a little bit of uh, and again to use one of their t- I mean, you know Landy really was a hero and a villain for him. And uh, uh, even though the, his first autobiography with that title, you know I don't think anybody reads it anymore. But uh, it it really is. I think a right title for so many people in Brian's life is father, Mike Love, uh, we could go on and on, Landy. Um, But it's interesting that he didn't just appreciate him, you know, he helped me is one way of saying it, but it it sounds like it went deeper than that, that there was a a real relational connection, even though this this person was at at different times, not just helping him, but abusing him. And and that's... uh, that's what's so sad, and Landy can never speak to that at this point. That's for sure. You know, I, I, the most I could ever get out of Brian when I asked him about Landy and, you know, what he, uh, you know, what, what was the good that Landy brought to him? All he would say is he got me into shape. He like helped helped me physically get mm-hmm. into shape. And I mean, he said it in a very, you know, not like Landy that bastard, but you know, or anything like that. I mean, it right. was uh, pretty matter of fact. Well, it leaves me another line I under, underlined was, uh, he says, my story is a music story, of course, a family story, and those things got so intertwined, it's hard to pull them apart. But then he said also a love story, and maybe uh, maybe that's connecting to, to uh, what you're saying here about Landy and who knows others. But then he says, but it's a story of mental illness, too. And I guess one of the things that really struck me about the book was his vulnerability um, and I would call it, you know, courageous vulnerability to uh, to talk about his mental illness, his difficulties. Um, and I didn't read it, and I'd love your take, but I didn't read it as he's looking for us to feel sorry for him or trying to say, see, I have an excuse. So when you thought I was lazy, it was this or whatever. I just think he was trying to say, well, this is me. I am Brian Wilson. I you know, I, I'm music, I have a family, uh, I love people, they love me, and and I struggle with mental illness. How about you? How would you respond to that kind of thing? Well, yeah, and, and um, you know, I, I talked to Brian about uh, the movie release of Love and Mercy and, 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 you know, asked him, you know, why he wanted his story to be told, why he was willing to let it be told. And, and yeah, I think, I mean, he, he said he, he wanted understanding. He wanted people to understand what he goes through, and, and he wants people to understand what, what a lot of people with mental illness uh, go through. So, yeah, I think that's a definite uh, goal of this book. I mean, one of the challenges uh, of writing this book, I'm sure, is, is to be fresh. And, I mean, the thing is, Brian cooperated with Peter Ames Carlin, on the release of, of that book, Catch a Wave, which Catch came a wave, out yeah. Yeah, around the time of Smile. And, and as far as I can recall, you know, that might have been the first book, or at least it reminded us, of Brian's mental illness. And, and, and there were revelations about Brian spending time in, you know, institutions right. in the late 60s. At the time of reading the book, I'm like, wow, that, 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 that's new. Like, I didn't realize that. Like, I mean, we, we picture Brian in the 1960s, even in the late 1960s, as being a quite a productive uh, producer and musician. So, I mean, that, that, you know, 
that was, I think, the time when, when that came to the fore. And so uh, I guess we're getting more of that with uh, Yeah, with good point. Book. Yeah, back again in real time with that, uh, I, what, am I, what do I know? But I'm guessing that, uh, you know, the, the Beach Boys, whatever, whoever those all were at the time, uh, you know, used the storyline of, you know, Brian's uh, in bed or he's a recluse. And I'm not sure if maybe they didn't know what was going on with him, but uh, you know, you didn't have TMZ to say that Brian Wilson's uh, in for rehab, kind of thing. You, a little bit of that stuff came out in real time, but not much. So it was yeah, like, I guess the 1976 Mike Douglas interview, which he mentions in the book, he, he talks about some of his struggles, and, and you know, maybe the Brian's back, Brian is back period. He had to answer, you know, where have you been, you know, yeah. for, for the first half of this decade. That, that's when he had to talk about it. Yeah, very, very good point. What were some of the things that stuck out to you in, in Brian's book that uh, maybe I wouldn't have thought to, to talk about? Well, I mean, uh, there, there's so many. Uh, you know, some of the things that I, I wish we, we'd heard more about are some of his relationships with people like Joe Thomas. And I say yeah. that because they're they're back together as, as, a, as a partnering unit. But, I mean, Joe Thomas went away. Uh, in the early part of the, the millennium, around that time. Uh, and, it, I mean, from what we've read before, I mean, it, it got a little bit nasty. It went to the courts. So it, it always surprised me that he got back together with Joe Thomas. I mean, they seem to work well together, so that's a good thing. But, uh, you know, what happened there? What happened with Jeffrey Foskett, you know, who is uh, Brian's right-hand man? We don't, we don't hear about him jumping ship and going over to Mike and Bruce's Beach Boys. I mean, that, that's an interesting story as well. So, it's, in a way, you wish there was a bit more dish uh, in this book. But, I mean, if you want to talk about some of the some of the things that I found interesting, I mean, I mentioned earlier I'm, I'm a Rolling Stones fan. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the fact that he talks about how much he liked the Rolling Stones and how much he tried to get that <laughs> feeling in songs like Marcella or even Add Some Music to Your Day. And he talks about, you know, oh, people think they're a riff band because Keith Richards is so good at, at, at making riffs, but there's actually a lot of musical ideas going on uh, beyond that, you know, and he talks about, I mean, we know that his favorite Rolling Stone song is My Obsession, which probably makes him alone in this world, but that's very interesting. <laughs> and then he, I mean, it's a good song, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but then he mentions like some obscure B-sides, like Sad Day, you know, like, I, I mean, I love that stuff as a big Rolling Stones fan, and it's very interesting to hear him say that he likes that, or Tommy by The Who, or or uh, London Calling by The Clash, you know, it's, uh, I find that stuff fascinating. Well, it, what it says to me is, you know, I, I approach music as a fan if I like, you know, like I like the Rolling Stones, but probably mostly just their singles kind of thing, because I grew up in the 60s and it was on the top 40. But it tells me that Brian Wilson isn't listening so much as a fan. He's listening to, all right, what are they doing with chords or with uh, – you know, how are they using the instruments in sound? In other words, as a musician, thinking of and what what might he might might want to incorporate. Um, so that it's it, it is fun to see that come out. I, it would be fun to just if he could do it, spend an hour talking about um, other records. And well, obviously we know about Spectre and Be My Baby and and all that. So he he's a, a real introspectness. Introspect is not the right word, but listens to the music. Uh, for things I could never hear from it because I'm not a musician, right? It's really cool to hear that stuff. And he mentions that uh, he wants to do an album, you know, covering some of the songs that, that were really instrumental in, in inspiring him. So, uh, I mean, he talks about that kind of thing a lot, but hopefully it will come to fruition. 
Yeah, I would hope so. Uh, he's he talked about a rock album for years. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if that's the same thing, but uh, but I think he's kind of in the moment. And that kind of is, takes me back to just the book as a whole. Uh, I've used the word poetic for it, and I discovered maybe this is where I saw it from, but, you know, on the uh, inside flyleaf, uh, the long-awaited candid poetic memoir by Byron Wilson. I th- and I think his that conversational approach, uh, I think, has thrown some fans a little bit thinking this is going to be, uh, you know, the, the Mike Love version, but the other side, you know, the other cr- cr- chronological story in it. I'm glad it wasn't that. Felt like I was—I uh, don't remember the name of the deli that he loves to go eat at. Is it in Santa Monica? It just felt like uh, I had a couple weeks of being bumping into him and sitting down, and he was talking and I was listening. And uh, you know, I—I I really enjoyed it, that style. I look at the table of contents, and uh, I don't know. I was even going to ask you if you've looked at that. It—it it almost seems—I don't know what word to use—irrelevant. Uh, they almost seem irrelevant because. Um, they're kind of thematic, but you go, but the style of going back and forth in time and uh, being almost stream of consciousness, uh, it's almost like the, the chapter segments uh, aren't as important because it certainly isn't chronological. Did you have any take on that in terms of um, – It almost feels like they had to say, okay, what are we going to call this chapter now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like I mean, one of the yeah. things that, that, that frustrates me about this book is that there's no index. You know, if you're trying to research, yeah. like, what he thought about this song or that song, and, I mean, maybe it's because the book is all over the place. It sort of forces you to sort of read it in chunks as opposed to you can't just skip to this page and uh, and, and look up this. But, uh, you know, I, I wish there was an index because it's pretty hard to go back afterwards and uh, and find certain passages because you'll never remember where it is in the book because you jump exactly. all over the place. Well, I did a bunch of underlining, and even that, that helps a little bit, but uh, but not much, that's for sure. But, I mean, you know, um, as for the style of the book, I, I like it, you know, because it's different. Yeah. It, it, it seems to capture Brian, so uh, I think it's good in that sense. Well, and, you know, I, I hope there's not too many Beach Boy fans are – I just hope Beach Boy fans take a step back and, and uh, you know, let's go back 15, 18, maybe even 20 years and say, what would we like? In fact, we did back then, you know, one more album or uh, if they just get together to play one concert. I mean, you know, we would take anything. And now we've got, you know, two books and books about. And uh, they did have an album. They did have a tour. It was amazing. Um, and they're still producing, I think, good shows, good music. So maybe we're just, I'll speak for myself, maybe I'm grateful but never satisfied or something like that because there's, you just want more and more. Well, and I'm sure they'll they'll come up with ways to give us more and more one way or another. Yeah, as long as they can, that's for sure. I mean, certainly, so, I mean, given the fact that we have a Mike book and a Brian book, it's it's interesting to to hear their thoughts on one another and, you know, Brian's thoughts about the 50th anniversary tour, for example. I mean, he was saying he was dealing with a great deal of back pain. And, yeah. uh, you know, he, he refers to Mike's ego, you know, at certain times. Um you know, I, I had the good fortune to be backstage with the guys when they came to Toronto for the 50th anniversary, which was fascinating. And I thank Bruce Johnston for that. I'll tell you an interesting story. I mean, I, I was, uh, I saw Brian sitting, there was like a patio outside, uh, you know, the backstage area, private patio, and, and, and there's the great Brian Wilson sitting there all by himself, <laughs> you know, so I figure I, I should take this opportunity. 
So yeah. I went over and, uh, and talked to him, and, and I gave him a copy of my book. This was my opportunity to, to give uh, all the oh, I'm glad <laughs> you were able to do that in person. That's cool. Yeah, and they they had all given their time. They had all contributed, you know, with interviews. So uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic to be able to do that. And you know, I handed Brian the book, and and I said, Brian, like I hope you enjoy it. I mean, this this was made because of my great love and respect for your music. And uh, and Mike Love came out as well, and 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 Mike was very gracious. But I found it very interesting that they they sat down. Like this was a a pretty much an empty patio with a bunch of tables, and Brian sat at one table. And Mike sat not at the same table, but a table away. You know, I thought, huh. why wouldn't they just sit at the same table? You know, and I found that I, I don't know what that that said, but it was uh, it was interesting. I mean, I think maybe you know, I don't know the state of their relationship, but I mean, we know Brian gets very nervous before shows. Maybe he prefers to be alone. Um, Paul Burns, yeah. I think, joined him eventually. They they were hanging out, probably uh, just making some last second discussions about. Uh, yeah, but anyway, it was interesting. I, I, I would have been happy if they were uh, sitting together and having a few laughs. Yeah, wishful thinking. I've done a lot of that for those guys, uh, and I and I think I've mentioned this before, but I always it always takes me back to uh, uh, Cassius Love versus Sonny Liston, if I've, <laughs> if I've got that right. And uh, in the church, we use the word something can be prophetic when it's said and you don't realize it's truth until years or, you know, Bible times, centuries later. But I think there's a prophetic aspect to that. I mean, they're making, you know, making fun of themselves. uh, And I don't want to overly uh, uh, exegete this, this little fillers on an album, but even back then, I mean, from the beginning, it's the personalities and how they work and don't work together. And, there's 50 years more now of, of that working itself out and sometimes not working itself out very well. But, uh, you know, this could have been like most rock bands, they could have been done, you know, after uh wild honey or something tanked or, you know, I mean, we, there's just so much we had that we, we, uh, couldn't so easily couldn't have had if they didn't continue to forge ahead, even sometimes at their own expense. So, well, it's good. Bad. It's good that everybody's out there still doing stuff. It gives us oh, yeah. something to enjoy and talk about. Well, and maybe that's part of the statement of uh, you know, I am Brian Wilson. I'm still here. I'm uh, I'm alive, and uh, it could have been a whole lot different. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they they could joke about that kind of stuff in 1964, the Cassius Love versus Sonny Wilson, or whichever way it is, you yeah. know. But I guess I guess you know when it came to Brian's musical aspirations with other songwriting partners and the drug taking that uh, that's when things weren't so funny anymore you know like yeah. that's when the, the fractiousness began and then Brian mentions the lawsuits you know and 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 some of Mike's lawsuits are are totally you know Mike's totally justified in launching Absolutely. them some of them he's not you know but obviously they bothered Brian and I mean Brian doesn't really get into this whole thing about the songwriting credits that Mike didn't get, you know, like, that, like you know, he, he doesn't even really get into that at all. So it'd be good to hear his take. I mean, maybe if, if he had read Mike's book before his book came out, maybe he would have addressed them a bit more directly. But uh, oh, that's a very interesting observation. Yeah. Although in some ways, well, as much as I want to hear that, um, maybe, maybe uh, you know, maybe that's, maybe he's saying that's not me, you know, I don't want to go there. Right. Which, uh, which, which certainly fits uh, his personality. 
Uh, Mark, any other thoughts about the book or uh, – well, let me just ask you that first, then one other question. Any, anything else we should uh, – I, I love the little stories. It's the little details that, that, that get me excited in this book. Like, for example, running, to Bo- running into Bob Dylan at the hospital. I think he said Bob Dylan had broken his thumb, you know, and, uh, you know, and then having dinner with Bob Dylan the next day. And then, of course, they, they cut a song together. I mean, that, that's great. You know, I, when I read stuff like that, it uh, fills me with uh, with joy or just like an offhanded remark about yeah. Neil Young. Talk about Pleasant, you know, like just these uh, these little things or, you know, running into uh, Carol King at a restaurant in New York and then uh, collaborating uh you know, those are the things we don't we don't always hear about. So, you know, as a Beach Boys fan, not so many big revelations. It's 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 the little things at this point, the details. Yeah, I agree. Um, one that I actually just turned to now and uh, had underlined just in a, it's only a long paragraph, but uh, how Murray uh, came over with the idea of writing Breakaway. Now we'd heard the story before. He you know fills it out just a little bit. But uh, boy, I'd love to ask more about that. Like, were you still angry at him, or, or I mean, you know, you fired him? How, how it's years, a few years later. We'd just love for more of that information. And obviously, uh, well, you know, I guess we'll you can you can it. fire somebody as as your manager, but you can't fire him <laughs> as your dad. That's exactly true. Very good. Very well said. And, and he mentions as well that uh, that Murray sings on "Be Here in the Morning," which I, I don't recall hearing before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I think there's a probably a, a whole bunch of those kinds of things that uh, maybe will you know will never be told in any. I think story. it's it's very touching. I mean, how he talks about Murray's music and how how it meant a lot to him. He has very complimentary things to say about about Murray's songs and how they affected him as a kid. And uh, you know, he mentions that one of the um, bonus tracks on that Lucky Old Son is a reworking of of a Murray song. You know, so uh, yeah. You know, I mean, again, just like Landy, I mean, with with Murray, he, he has such complicated relationship, and 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 uh, it's it's touching, you know, to hear some of the some of the warm feelings that that, that he has uh, for Murray, despite everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as I hear you say that, it just makes me think. Uh, I don't want to. We're trying to turn this guy into a saint, but um, he in his well, love and mercy and his. Is his theme, if you will, uh, in his solo career. Uh, not that he wrote it for that purpose, but in other words, just love, family love, or whatever you want to call it, uh, has, has, has helped him get through. Um, and I guess one of, you know, being a, a, a pastor, uh, if I was ever to use this in preaching, it would be like here's some here's a guy who had people who really were villains in his life. And yet, uh, for whatever reason, it was his dad or it was someone he enjoyed working with in other contexts, um, you know, he, his, his love for them uh, saw him through it. Um, and I'm not trying to rewrite history, but I, I just think everybody says Brian's music is very spiritual, which doesn't mean, you know, like religious all the time, but, but there's a... A thread of love, if I can put it that way. I mean, he even talked about some songs. I'm not thinking of any in particular that I think of as just, you know, fun songs. And yet for him, uh, well, even Good Vibrations, uh, he, he, he says it's a very spiritual experience to listen to it. So there's something there inside his soul, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And, and the other guy's touching also, sorry, touching also how 
he, he talks about Dennis and Carl and how much he misses them and how much, you know, the world isn't the same with, without them. Like, where, where did they go? You know, they're, they were yeah. always there, and now they're gone. And, and he also talks about his respect for their music. One of the most interesting things I found was how he goes on at, at quite a length about how much he loves the Holland album, which, which I find very surprising because it's an album didn't really have a lot to do with. You know, he was there in body, and, and of course he wrote Sail on Sailor and, and Funky Pretty and, and the EP that, that goes with it. But, you know, for the most part, it's not him. But, you know, he says uh, Steamboat Kicks Ass. I, I was quite amused by that and, and I love that song as well Dennis's song uh, yeah. and he talks about how much he loves the California saga which is Al and Mike so I mean he's, he's showing his respect for his for his bandmates and it's, it's interesting that he, he gets excited by, by some of the other work that the others have done and also how it seems he feels that some of the songs that they have written speak to him like he quotes the lyrics to celebrate the news, which I think is a fantastic song by Dennis. Yes, uh, it is. Yeah. And Long yeah. Promised Road, and and you know when I first heard Long Promised Road by Carl, I thought this sounds like it's about Brian, you know. But here's uh, Carl singing it. So I mean, he, uh, Brian is is saying that that you know Carl had his own issues and struggles, you yeah. know, at that time that he was trying to express. But uh, you know, maybe it comes from from being brothers and 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 growing up in the same place and dealing with the same father. I mean, maybe that's the source of all these struggles. That's why the, these three sons can write songs, and it seems uh, they, they represent all of them together. Yeah, and maybe there's unfair comparison, thinking of the Beatles, not, not that they're they're bad. You know, in their breakup, it's like, well, okay, you can break up from this guy because that's your only relationship with him. Right. Whereas, you know, you still got this guy as your brother. This guy's still your cousin. You still have Christmases together. You may not do it anymore, but you did. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, it's a very different dynamic. Uh, for, for them as a, as an enterprise, uh, it, it was well. Again, forgive me for being a, a sawhorse here, but uh, it's it's the hero and villain thing. You know, they became heroes and villains to each other, and maybe that's just life the way it goes. Well, when you when you stick together for fifty plus years, or you're in each other's lives for fifty plus years, and you know everyone has their own direction, uh, there's going to be trouble. I mean, I don't think there's any any band I can think of that, that, that with that kind of longevity that's been immune to, to those kind of problems. I mean, usually they just break up and they, yeah. they, they can't, they can't last that long. Yeah. You know, so the beach boys are no exception. So longevity is just a, an amazing thing that they've accomplished for sure. The song catalogs would, would, would keep them going. So any thoughts about their, any uh, crystal balling of their future or what you'd like to see still yet happen? I mean, we, we've had enough, I think, that we, we should be happy. I know you say that Beach Boys fans always <laughs> want more, but, I mean, when you think about it, the 50th anniversary thing was a great thing. You know, it, it, the way it ended wasn't so great, I guess, but, uh, you know, it was, it was, I think you could say the Beach Boys did so much wrong. They made so many wrong turns, like, throughout their career. Yeah. Here was a big opportunity, and they took it, and, and they put out an album that did well, and, and they did this tour together that did well. So, I mean, if the story ends there, that's fine. I mean, Mike can go on touring with Bruce and, and, and the great band that they have, and Brian can keep on recording. I mean, there's going to come a time, you know, where, where somebody's going to say, hey, like, this is my last tour, you know, and then I'm going to take it yeah. easy. And so, uh, you know, it would be nice that, you know, if that's the case, that they could come together one last time, because I think that that would be nice to see, because uh, it's not going to last forever, and it would be nice to go out on that kind of that kind of high note, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'd be great to have another song, a single, and... You know, I'm sure 
there'd be a lot of uh, media outlets wanting to do a final, you know, just film a concert or, you know, one live concert. I mean, they don't have to go around the world again, for goodness sakes, but it, it would be great. Well, Mark, we thanks will see for this that comment. this is a band that keeps on being interesting. There you go. Thanks for this conversation, and Thank you, uh, I, I hope we'll have some more. There's uh, uh, certainly lots more that can be talked about with the Beach Boys, so we appreciate your work, Mark. Hang on one second. Always a pleasure. <laughs> 